Hello and welcome back to the Why We Write Fantasy podcast. My name is Oscar Cesena and I'm joined by my amazing co-host KJ. Hello, welcome back. I'm so excited to be here yet again for another week of shenanigans. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about two books. Uh, we're going to go deep dive two books. One, Each one of us picked one and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, but before we go there, we want to talk, as always, about the books that we're reading right now. So, KG, what are you reading today? Yeah, so I'm not reading fantasy at all right now. I also really, really love um, nonfiction books. Um, investigative journalism happens to be one of my the things that I absolutely love. So this is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. And this is actually, he was the journalist who put together all of the investigative information about Harvey Weinstein. And he finally compiled it into a book. It's phenomenal. It's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in awe because I love investigative journalism and the amount of work that goes into it. I know how hard he worked. Yeah. Having done just a tiny bit of it myself, I'm just in awe of it. So it's a really great read, uh, but halfway through and that's what I'm reading right now. How about you, Oscar? Awesome. Uh, I'm reading the second uh, book of uh, the First Law trilogy. It's called Before They're Hanged by Joe Abercrombie. Uh, I just discovered Joe Abercrombie because someone recommended to me the uh, the first one of the First Law, um, The Blade Itself, and uh, I just I just loved it. It's like green dark fantasy. It's uh, the characters are really well developed. It's um, it shows like they're morally gray that no one is really good or not even bad. Like it's just like humans. And and I love the way uh, the author deals with it. It's just, it's also just an amazing read. Uh, I'm like, I would say a third of the second book. So hopefully in like by the end of the week, I'm going to be done. Hopefully, but I don't you know. You probably will. You're a fast reader. Oscar's <laughs> so much faster at reading than I am. I get really distracted. But I've heard really good things about that series as well. So in Grimdark, yeah. So yeah. cool. I'm going to have to pick it up. Yeah, it is. It's actually, um, like, I love, like, Grimdark fantasy, like, Game of Thrones style type of things. Yeah. And this one is uh, is as good as that one, if not better in some cases. So it's uh, nice. it's a really good one. Like, I would totally recommend it. Welcome to the Why We Write Fantasy Podcast, a podcast about all the reasons why we love to write and read fantasy. So before we go into the deep dive that we, each one of us, picked one book, I'm just going to ask everybody to, if you're liking this, go ahead and subscribe and like the video. And if you're listening as a podcast, subscribe to the podcast so you get the downloads every time that we uh, launch a new one. We do this every Tuesday. So yes. just be prepared and wait for us. Yes. <laughs> Follow us. Yay. Yes. Um, okay. So let's start with yours, uh, KJ. I think it's uh, it's a really good one. So which book did you pick? Why? And why it makes you a better writer? Yeah, I'm so excited for this one. So I chose A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. This happens to be, yeah, it's an awesome I have my copy here. Copy too. I'm just like... <laughs> Okay, so a little sidebar here. When a friend actually reads your recommendation, your book recommendation, and then they end up loving it, it feels like you've you've arrived. You know, you've arrived as a reader. <laughs> so I'm so I feel like this is my moment. Um, so this book is actually it's a middle grade book. It's super fast read, like two hour power read. Make sure that you have your tissues because it is, it's something. It's just so heart wrenching and so truthful. 
So this book um, written by Patrick Ness, he actually, he wrote it based on an idea that Siobhan Dowd had. And I actually don't know who Siobhan Dowd is. So, but she was a writer and who passed away before she actually could write the story. So then he took the idea in her honor and wrote the book. Um, Mm. And it's about, the story is about a little boy named Connor O'Malley. And Connor is 11 years old. He lives with his mom. She is a single parent um, and she is basically, she's dying of cancer. So, and it's about Connor's huge feelings around the process of her dying. Like even talking about it, I'm feeling a little choked up. Yeah. yeah. It's (laughs) It's a very emotional book. It's such an emotional book and tackling death and grief and guilt um, all of these huge emotions that Connor is feeling, tackling these in a middle grade book takes finesse. And I do think that Ness, Patrick Ness nailed it here. So really quick, um, Connor is, he's, he's a really angry, sullen little boy. His father lives in America, so he feels abandoned by his father. His mother, who is an absolute sweet, sweetheart, it seems like, she is dying of cancer. And his grandmother, who is his mom's mom, is there constantly trying to help out. But she, is, she and Connor butt heads a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this behavior, Connor is then, I think it's like, it's, 12.07 p.m. or a.m., sorry, he is visited by a monster yew tree, this giant yew tree that comes to life. And the yew tree says, I'm going to tell you three stories. And upon my fourth visit, you have to tell me your story. And the story will be of truth. And then Connor says, but what truth? And the yew tree says, your truth. So basically, the story is about the yew tree monster giving Connor this space, an imaginary realm, because these are what the stories are. They're an imaginary realm that Connor can expand into these huge feelings that he's feeling and learn to to unpack them, to understand them, to name them, and then to finally let them go. And the feelings that he has, it's, he, he, he can't take watching his mother pass away anymore. He wants it to be over. And it's such like, oh, it's such a huge feeling you know, even as an adult, it's not something that so many of us would be able to articulate. Yeah. Um, and being able to write this in a middle grade novel is just like, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So one of the reasons why I chose this book is because it actually helped me become a better writer, um, being able to use the fantastical and the monsters, as you know, a monster calls, to be able to to illustrate these emotions that are often neglected, they're pushed aside, they're considered monstrous in themselves. I read this book. I, I've never heard about it until, of course, you recommended it to me. But I really, I think one of the things I loved was the, like you said, like this, um, like this monster, like the, the idea of this monster existing in in Connor's mind. Um, yes. But I don't know, like it feels so real that at some point I was actually doubting myself, like, okay, so is this monster real or not? Like, I actually love that. And um, I'm usually, I usually don't read like children's book that often. So I'm so glad I did this one because um, 
I mean, some people were criticizing it because, like, be too, too predictable because you know what's going to happen in the end. It's but middle grade. It's supposed to be predictable. Middle grade that's the thing. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not read it through an adult lens here. <laughs> even if it's, uh, like, even if you're reading it through an adult lens, like, um, I think the journey is what, like, the journey of reading, like, enjoying the craft of the writing, it's really, it's what what is worth it. Like, yeah, I mean, again, I, I will always back to Lord, go back to Lord of the Rings. I don't know why. Okay. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say, like everybody knows by now that yeah. how it ends. People now are are still going to read it, even if they know the ending. So because you yeah. want to enjoy the whole thing, and I think this is what happens with this book. Like even since chapter one, you know how it's going to end. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference in the story. You're not there to see how it's going to end. You're there to see how Connor's character develops and evolves through the course of the book. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene in the book, um, going back to what you said there, that you, you're not entirely sure is the monster real or is it a figment of Connor's imagination? Um, I think it's both, to be honest. And that's one of the, the themes in the book is parallel truths. Two things that seem to be um, in opposition to each other can be true at the same time yeah so when it comes to connor's emotions he can feel both grief and sadness about his mom passing away but also want her to go because it's too much for him those can mm -hmm. both live together and that's the point of the story but also when you were saying that i was thinking of the scene connor he's he's at school he's invisible he's angry he's sullen and he finally he he snaps he loses it on this kid and he comes running at this kid. I think they were in the cafeteria. And yeah. he it's like he becomes the the yew tree monster. The monster is actually um, goading him into losing, to, into snapping. Because that's actually what Connor needs to do is to let go. Mm -hmm. Whether, I mean, probably not beating up another kid is a good idea. <laughs> but it's also learning that these things are okay. And that if Connor does have a safe space to 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 feel these big emotions, that maybe us, you know, as grownups can learn that as well. And that this is something we need, because if we don't get there, it becomes yeah. a monster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and I think that's being able to use all of those techniques, those literary techniques in this this middle grade novel that is what, like 50, 60,000 words is phenomenal. And I think that. This, there's a reason why I love it, why you love it, and why so many kids love it as well. Is because it's translatable, it's relatable, it's yeah. I can't say enough about it. It's five stars. It should. It's, my it's world. a five stars. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave it five stars as well. <laughs> but you know what? There's something I'm going to disagree with you. Like the oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like the the cafeteria scene when he beats up the the bully. I just mm. love it. It's like yeah, yeah. I love it too. I love it too but or they say like probably. they broke his arm or something. Like yeah, yeah. I know, but like assault. Let's not. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. That. that's why I don't have kids. Like imagine. <laughs> I love it. I feel like but, you're really revealing yeah. a lot about yourself right now. <laughs> but, uh, but I did love what you said about the like. It's it's okay. Like it's okay to snap. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. you cannot, you cannot expect, especially a kid that is going through so many things, God. just stay calm and, and take everything that these bullies are putting on him. So yeah. uh, I think, I think it's a good learning also. I mean, ideally we don't get to that point, right? Like in, yeah. in life or in as a kid or as an adult, but if it happens, yeah. it's not a big deal. 
right? Yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal. And, you know, when I was writing about this book and I was doing other research around it as well, I was talking about monsters in my book and how using monstrousness and, you know, this idea, the trope of monsters and how they're created um, through fantasy and horror as well, how it can actually help us understand ourselves. Mm. Right. So for me, and you say you found the ending predictable, I actually didn't find it predictable. Mm. I was surprised when when what what um i was gonna call him oscar but oscar's oscar's me i'm oscar that's oscar nice to meet you um (laughs) when connor actually said i just want it to be over i think that that actually just shook me it took me by surprise because i didn't think that the writer would actually go there but that is the place that we needed to go to that's the place that connor needed to go to and the reader so you know this is one of the reasons why i love fantasy so much because there's you have so many tools at your disposal to be able to tell really, really tough stories. Like a yeah. little kid who's watching his mom die. It's just yeah. oh, it's heartbreaking. God. It's heartbreaking. I just want to hug him so much. Oh, <laughs> 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 Connor. Yeah. So that's that's my choice. Um, I'm every every time I read a book about monsters or I you know watch film or tv or you know play our D nights i always think about okay what's how can we utilize monsters better what are these monsters trying to tell us now very meta right. right but now that i i you know read that book and when i was you know unpacking it for my own book i think it did give me a deeper insight into the psychology of these emotions that you know we have historically perpetually always considered monstrous and they're mm-hmm. really not. so yeah hopefully it's making me a better writer <laughs> it made me a better reader <laughs> that's uh, hey, any improvement is yeah. good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that is my book i don't know if you have anything else you want to add to that oscar um i think the only thing i want to add is like if you haven't read it just go and and get it like get it from the library uh get it on the bookstore i mean i got it from the library that this copy that i have here that i was showing uh it's not only like it actually has a really cool uh illustrations like it's uh, again it's a kid's book right but it has all this really cool uh art inside so and i got this from the library from the public library i'm gonna buy it uh because i want to have it in my bookshelf but it's something that anyone like anyone like look at this art like this art is amazing i know people who are listening to the podcast cannot see the art so with more reason you need to go and get this book so you can yeah, see you the need art. To- that edition because my edition is like this flimsy paperback edition that i've actually marked up because i was doing research for my own book. <laughs> i'm gonna go and buy that edition <laughs> this one is a, it's a really good edition like, again i got it from the library and uh yeah, yeah. and i think it's a it's one of the one of those books that you want to have in and see you like well at least i i want to yeah. have it in my in my bookshelf is this one that you're going to go back and read absolutely uh and if not then someone's gonna come i'm gonna i'm gonna be reminded of this book i'm gonna force this person to read it by gifting it to them so it's always good to have books that you can gift out then this one is like a gift and a big hug with a box of kleenex it's like i love you i'm giving you a monster calls because i know you need it right now (laughs) yeah yeah well that's my book (laughs) that's awesome so I picked a, a very different uh, type of book. Uh, I picked uh, Leviathan Wakes um, yes. over here, which is uh, it's the first instance out of nine books um, so far. It's uh, 
So it's James S. A. Corey, nice. but it's actually two authors. Like this is the 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 name that they picked. It's uh, Daniel Dane actually here. Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank are the authors. They co-write the series. Right. And they have nine books already. Uh, this is the first one, and I picked this one in particular because um, I actually watched this TV show first. Which and is which is the expanse it's called the right. expanse is an amazon prime and um i i watched it and i loved it mm. and then i found that there were books there so i just got the book and and just read it it's um it's actually the, the tv show is done pretty well we're going to talk about it maybe a little bit later but i think what i what i want to mention is that if you haven't seen the tv show or haven't read the books it's basically a, a sci-fi novel. It's in the outer space. It's in the future when, uh, like, humanity has colonized uh, the solar system, and it's now divided into three major factions. You have the Earth, which is kind of like the uh, still the uh, like the bastion of culture and those things for humanity. Then you have Mars, which is um, it's a superpower, like a military superpower. And uh, you have the belt, which is everything else, like the asteroid belts, where you have these colonies, like smaller colonies, where just gathering resources and gathering minerals and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were so many things that I liked. Like, first of all, the book is written in two perspectives. You have the two main characters, which is James Holden, mm-hmm. uh, which is the one who has the uh, the uh, Rossinante crew, uh, which mm-hmm. is Rossinante is the... the um, the spaceship, and on the other hand, you have Detective Miller, who is kind of like working on his own, trying to solve a crime. Um, but both of them, you start talking, you start seeing the story from both angles, and they don't meet until later in the book. But um, like in, in the, the way that it's done, it it actually shows a world like like I've mentioned before. I love world building. I love massive worlds that exist and. I think there were so many things that I loved. Like, first of all, you have these three factions. There's a lot of political tension there. Um, you have uh, Mars trying to, like, kind of dominate everything with their military power. You have the Earth trying to do the same thing, but more like we come from the Earth, like humanity comes yeah. from here. Yeah. And then the belt is kind of like on the side. It's like most mostly colonies and, like, they're just extracting their resources and uh, well, sounds they're familiar. Like minor <laughs> workers too, right? They're they're it's very much a caste system. Yeah, it's a completely yeah. caste system, and I yeah. actually like that a lot. Like the way it's it's defined, like it's uh, it's it's a world that it's completely believable. Yeah. Like I do believe that if at some point humanity reaches that point, the same things that we suffer here on Earth, like colonization, like having all this, like um, like superpower like military powers and cultural powers in 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 our world and then you have all these other colonies that are just mostly are poor colonies and they're just used to extract their natural resources i think if humanity goes to that level like these ideas are going to continue yeah and that's one of the things that i love like it's not only the um i think the characters are really well done but i think what grab me here um the plot is pretty good as well like they're looking for there's some kind of like alien thread that's called a proto molecule uh, which is pretty cool but i think what actually grabbed me was the 
the extent of the world and how everything interacts with each other, like economy-wise, political-wise, yeah. all those things. So it it actually it made me think on like on on so many like massive worlds that we know in fantasy, but this has been replicated in in a sci-fi, um, yeah, in a sci-fi environment, I would say like in the future with all this technology and you still making a, a, a massive, cohesive, um, concise world that yeah. makes total sense. It does make sense. Yeah. And like what you were saying, it's cohesive, every aspect. So I watched the first couple of episodes of The Expanse. Um, haven't read the book, but what I noticed is that every single detail is as a result of something else in the world. So you have, you know, what are they, the, the belters, they're the ones yeah, the belters. very tall and spindly and very unhealthy, but then that means that they actually can't live on earth because earth's gravity is too heavy. Right. And, you know, then we have even more of a disparity between the, the, the caste system, like the different classes. So I thought that was really well done. You know, it's it like you said, the word is cohesive. It yeah. all works together. And that that's the kind of world building that blows my mind that you are <laughs> capable of doing. You are so capable of doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I don't know if I'm capable of doing something like this, but I get really inspired when I read yeah. this type of things. It's um, I find this that this is one, like this nine books is one story, but the world is so massive that you can't just build any any type of stories like and i like those and i like when i'm reading something i like feeling that the world where where i'm living this story can be can host more more stories there yeah and i think that's what what i really enjoyed uh about this one so what are you taking from this book because i know that you're writing a sci-fi uh book right now so what are you are you able to take from this book or the writing style of the world building into your own practice um you're going to find this funny, but before I even watched the first episode, read the first book, like in my, in my world, there was a section outside a city, like the city was there and there was like a belt outside. And yeah. I used to call people their belters. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And now that belters are actually the people from the expanse, I need to change the name, but uh, it. <laughs> it, it's funny. Uh, but like going back to what you asked, like, uh, like the, the, what, what I'm writing is a little bit different. Like it's more like, I think mine is more like a dystopia type of thing, like a right. cyberpunk ish style. Uh, we don't like in what I'm writing, we don't go into the, the outer space or anything like that, but it's in the future. Like it's more like, I'm trying to think of um, how could how would the world look like if we don't fix the problems we have today. That's kind of yeah. my what I'm trying to do. Um, yeah. But again, like this uh, this book actually gave me some uh, some ideas. Like talking about the world building that we have, like there's so many uh, political uh, tension happening between the three factions that it's something that I haven't even thought about putting into my writing until I read this because even though I read like the song of ice and fire, well, at least the, the five that are out uh, and there's so much political tension there. I never thought about putting it into a sci-fi type of thing. Like, yeah, we can do this. This is all kinds of speculative fiction. That's basically what it is. We're speculating about what could happen given certain situations. And because it is, we have, access to you know futuristic technologies or magic or monsters or whatever the case may be we can test out these scenarios that we can see 
possibly happening in our world and see how it's like what is it like a simulator yeah right I, I feel like you know particularly with dystopian or sci-fi it is a simulator of what is the worst case scenario or you know hopefully what is the best case scenario the but best case scenario that would be that would be a deal <laughs> That would be ideal, but I feel like you wouldn't have a novel with that because you need no. attention and conflict. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I know, you know what I'm talking about with this. When you're writing a story, yeah. you need conflict, right? And and if the conflict is just worse, then the better, from my point of view. And I, and, and again, I, I love dystopians, um, dystopian futures. Like, I, since I was a kid, I remember, like, watching Blade Runner. And yeah. And even it wasn't the director's cut; it was the the old one where you had like the the voiceover, like "Oh, I was sitting in my car," and <laughs> I still loved it. I still love the 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 world that was created with Blade Runner. So, um, if you if it's something like that, if it's something that's going wrong, then you you got me. Like I, I'm gonna read it and uh, yeah, I'm gonna consume it, and maybe like it, maybe not, but I'm gonna read it for sure. I feel like the bigger the world you have, the the bigger the problems that you need to write into it. Yeah. Like you, you like, and of course with this, um, uh, the book that you're reading, it it's like you have multiple worlds. You have Mars, you have Earth, you have the Moon. I think you have the Belters. So yep. I mean, and of course, like there's this alien threat presence sort of lingering in the periphery. Proto molecules, yeah. Proto molecules, you're going to have to have. Like, there's going to be big problems happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know I think you only <laughs> watch a few episodes, but if you yeah. continue to finish the, at least finish the TV show, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, you get, it's, it just gets better, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's such, That's such a word. good, such a good uh, series. And yeah. I, the books are, from my point of view, are better because you're, reading the story from two only two points of view and you actually get into their minds and it's pretty cool it's really well done um like these two two guys like daniel abraham and ty frank they're doing a great job um yeah it's it's amazing yeah. and it's i think the nine book nine yeah yeah, yeah. just came out <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, did yeah it just did yeah i mean i still need to catch up like i still need to read yeah. a lot but it just came out so it's um uh, I think that's the last one. Okay, well, that's uh, that's my my book. Um, I think uh, I think we really do. I really enjoy this uh, this yeah. deep dive. I like I like to to discuss books, especially when we both yeah. read them, and when they actually matter for, like, not matter, but when they actually have some impact in the things we're writing. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I can't. I'm thinking of a stat here, a quote, or something. Is it eighty percent or seventy percent of writing is reading, right? And you have yeah. to read, and you have to be a critical reader. Um, read all different types of, you know, if you're reading fantasy, to read different types of fantasy, um, different authors, different, you know, backgrounds, that sort of thing, in order to make you a better writer. And this is what yeah. we're trying to do here with these two book deep dive because yeah. these are the books that impact us the most and impact us in our writing, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. we want to be able to give that to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's it's 80 percent of the how was it? Like I don't know. I feel like I totally just pulled that out of thin air. But I think it's like <laughs> seventy percent or eighty percent. I'm making up stats. Yeah, you know like, what? It, it's okay. Like ninety-three percent of stats are made up. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but I believe it anyways. But still the sentiment rests. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. it's true. Like, yeah. Even if you're writing one book, you're gonna read like a hundred while oh, you're writing God, them. Yeah. So 
Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And once you become a writer, once you really start entrenching yourself into the writing world, it's it kind of screws you for reading because then you're always reading as a writer and you can't just sit back and enjoy a book because then you start thinking about the yeah. structure and the characters and oh, yeah. so and you start taking notes and, uh, and, you, and <laughs> I don't know if it happens to you, but it happens to me even with like movies and TV shows. Like I'm watching, oh, yeah. it's like, I need a notebook. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think we're done for today. Yeah. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed our conversation. And again, like Eve, there's going to be links to the uh, books in the description, yeah. so you can take a look. Uh, if you can buy it, that's awesome. If not, especially if you're in a in a city like ours, like Toronto, and you have an amazing public uh, library yes. system, just go and get it from there. Um, yeah. It's it's there. You might have to wait because these two are actually. Uh, in high demand so you might actually have to wait if you don't want to wait just go and get them like it's actually it's worth it. it's uh it's worth it the yeah i don't remember how much they cost but it's worth i it. don't think a monster calls is that expensive to be honest what 12.99 canadian 9.99 us here for my copy yeah. but just so you know that if you do put holds in your library the more holds the more likelihood that your library will then acquire more copies and that is good for writers right so do it. It's good yeah. for writers. It's good for readers because you can have more options. Yeah. It's good for everybody. Yeah, it's good for the libraries. And we yeah. need our libraries. We Shout do. out to TPL, Toronto Public Library. <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for staying with us until the end yeah. of the episode. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube uh, or subscribe to uh, your podcast and make sure that you get all the downloads when as soon as they come out. We do this podcast every Tuesday. So yes. see you back in a week. Yeah, and follow us on Instagram. Don't forget about our Instagram at why we write fantasy. Handle why we write fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Cut <laughs> <laughs> <got> it there. <laughs> and use the hashtag. And use the hashtag, yes. And the hashtag WWF, hashtag why we write fantasy, and hashtag why we write fantasy podcast. We are following those hashtags. We want to see you there. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, and happy writing. <laughs>